Hello, guys. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back. Another episode, episode number three of the Bruising Oddities podcast. Yeah, we took a little longer in between episodes because I almost died. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I had a pretty bad kidney infection and it turned out to be a kidney stone and yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, we took a, a bit of a long break, but... <laughs> We did see that we're getting a little bit of traction on iTunes, so that's pretty awesome. Thank you guys for listening, and I'm sure everyone's glad to hear that Ashley's doing better now, <laughs> so we can get back to our shows and hopefully actually keep a schedule. We've been talking about it every week, and we still haven't kept it perfectly <laughs> scheduled, but we're going to try to get on that and and really put out shows just like we had originally intended. Yeah, well, life happens. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So, this week, our brews. Ashley, what are you having? I'm having the Ballast Point Tart Peach Kolsch. Kolsch? Kolsch, Kolsch. yep. <laughs> it's a fruit beer, and it has a really good hint of peach in it. <clears throat> and they are out of San Diego, California. So, um, it's... A little sour to me. It's not very, very sour. I think the peach really overpowers. But as you guys know, I've pretty much been st sticking to the fruity beer. <laughs> yeah, and I'm so. not, I haven't always, or I'm not really a big fan of the fruit beers, but I really actually enjoy this one when I tasted it. It's really a good beer. It's not really as sour as they make it sound, but yeah. the peach is really good. And that's something I don't think I've had hardly any, if any, peach beers so there's a few peach beers that i've had that i really didn't like but this one had like a really good flavor oh, to yeah, it it was really good <clears throat> so. and ballast point actually has a lot of really good beers yeah you've been drinking them since washington <laughs> since washington yeah and uh i'm always really big on the ipas but when you got that ballast point um Peach Kolsch, I tried some of their other beers, and really, I gotta say, they're also, other than Alaskan and a few other breweries, they're also one of those breweries where I actually enjoy just about everything that they have out. <laughs> but yeah, I gotta say, it's a really, a really good beer, a little golden looking, and not too sour for people that aren't really fruit beer drinkers like myself. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty sweet, and it, I do enjoy it. It's really tasty. Yeah, it's not sour. It wasn't sour for me at all. I think that's what I hate most about some of the fruit beers that I've tasted. But this one is just pretty perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I got to say it's one of the better fruit beers I've ever had, <laughs> if not one of the top. So I'm having today uh, Roosters from Roosters Brewing, and it's the Patio Pilsner. And they are out of Layton, Utah. So I've been trying to stay away from the IPAs because that's always my favorite, so it's hard to find an IPA that I don't like. <laughs> so for this show, I'm drinking this uh, Patio Pilsner, and it's actually really good. Um, I usually tend to stay towards the dark beers, medium to dark beers, and this Pilsner is, is pretty good itself. It's a slightly cloudy yellow. It's actually, it goes down smooth. It's it's pretty sweet, actually, which I don't think is, I mean, I'm not the biggest Pilsner drinker, but I don't think it's 
the most common style for a pilsner, but it has a little bit of a sweetness, a little bit of a sourness to it. It really has like a a honey flavor to it. <laughs> um, so it's actually pretty good. And I I don't say that about many pilsners, but this one I would actually recommend to some other fellow craft brew drinkers. So this week in our episode, we're going to get into, like we said last on our last episode, we're going to get into folklore. And I know last time we said it was going to be mainly Central and South American folklore, but uh, there's some information on some stuff and a lot of, actually a lot of cultures have the same folklore. Just different names or versions. Yeah, different names, versions, stories, maybe appearances or... Different things like that. So we have a few from Central and South America, North America. We also uh, took it a, a step further and just got a another couple uh, popular ones. And I'm sure this won't be the only folklore episode we do. Yeah. Because in our research, we ended up finding a lot. Pretty much every culture has a large amount yeah, of uh, different folklore and myths and... And just stuff like that. And a lot of them were really interesting. So I think we'll come back again uh, maybe a few episodes from now and and get another group of... Part two. Yeah, part two. Get some more of these and do another episode on it. Alrighty, so we're going to go ahead and get into it. And the first one, one of ones that we pretty much grew up with was the Yarona. Yeah, La Llorona. And basically translates into the weeping woman. And it originates out of Mexico. And um, La Llorona, her name was Maria. And she lived in the era of the conquistadores. And she pretty much drowned her children for a man that she had wanted to marry. And... She was born in a peasant village, and she would often go to the Fandangos to get the attention of men to try and pretty much get herself out of the poor village that she was living yeah, in. poor and poverty and mm-hmm. all that. So that's why, you know, and she was actually said to be a very, very beautiful woman, and she'd have men at her feet and, you know, kissing her hands and, you know, all that so the story goes is that she had two sons and some of the villagers had said that the boys actually died of neglect because she would leave them so often to go to town and others said that it was actually maria herself that ended up drowning the boys and there's actually different versions because the version that i grew up with um that there was a a man who was traveling through her village and he stopped when he saw Maria. He was just captivated by her beauty and her charm and he ended up proposing to her. And she, of course, she accepted this proposal and her family was thrilled. They were over the moon for her that she was going to be marrying into wealth. But this man's father, he was very upset that the man was actually going to go marry into poverty. So they ended up building a home away from the disapproving father and they went on to have two children. And what I grew up with was she had a girl 
and she had a boy. And Maria's husband ended up traveling so much. He was always gone. And she knew of his flirtation with these other women. And one day, finally, her husband left her. And out of just sadness and grief and anger, she took the kids down to the river at night and she drowned them. But immediately she felt the guilt of killing her children that ever since the drowning she has said to roam the banks just looking for her children and it's it's said if you cross paths with maria you'll be drowned too i don't don't know if she's actually looking for her kids (laughs) she's looking to drown everybody yeah that's pretty intense and intense uh feelings there to be so hurt and all that to decide to go ahead and drown your kids but uh that's just one version of it yeah. Uh, another version is that Maria had two boys, and they go into town to meet men, uh, primarily wealthy men. And after meeting a, a wealthy man and falling in love, Maria decided to tell the man that she had two children at home. I guess she was keeping it a bit of a secret just to try to capture. Yeah, <laughs> get a get a grasp on them before she let them know that she already had children in that mm-hmm. and all that. <clears throat> and uh the man that she that she ended up falling in love with ended up being displeased when she when she let him know that she already had children uh so Maria became upset and over all of this she decided to go home and she drowned both of her boys in the river because he was upset that she had children already yeah so she he didn't want anything to do with her basically so pretty much i guess this all stems from of course, a man, that she was just frustrated over not being able to get what she wanted, so she took it out on her children. But um, do you remember the story as a kid? I remember hearing about it. Um, Some of these, I think some of the stories kind of get intertwined. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say version one or version two is the exact story I've heard. Yeah. I've just said, I've. I would just say that I know a bit about both and actually even more than just that so yeah my dad used to tell me this story <laughs> all the time <laughs> when we'd be outside i remember one summer night we were outside of my grandma's house and he was like he was talking he's always said he starts talking about the yonana and that she's over there in the corner and all <laughs> the kids went running inside and <laughs> yeah, i do remember growing up with stuff like that just it's similar to like the boogeyman and stuff like that yeah um, could be true, might not be true, but kind of a way to keep the kids under control and let them know, kind of like Santa's watching and all that, <laughs> but a little bit darker than that. <laughs> yeah, so this pretty much, I guess, a lot of sightings of the Llorona is in um, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and it's mainly along the Santa Fe River. and it's said that she roams and that they've people have seen a tall wailing spirit um around the public employees retirement association which was actually built on the land that was once an old spanish indian graveyard and so this has been traced to the southwest and as far as montana actually on the banks of the yellowstone river that's pretty crazy. So it's it's it extends pretty far, because you know, 
growing up, my dad had me believing that the Yorona was right there in Texas. <laughs> in Texas, yeah, right around Mexico. And then hearing it goes up to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and then mm-hmm. all the way up to Montana. That's pretty far. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a widespread theory or myth or whatever it might be. For her to be roaming. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so... She's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so... Hide your kids, hide your wife. Hide your husband, <laughs> if he's wealthy. <laughs> but, so, yeah. She's drowning everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that one, I guess, is pretty much my favorite. And it's actually becoming a movie, so I'm really curious to see which way the director's going, if he's actually going with two boys or if he's actually going with a girl and a boy. Yeah. as her children so we'll, i guess we'll see when that comes out that's true that's actually really good to be able to kind of put more of an image than just what's in your head put a film yeah to the story and all that and kind of see what everybody else's take is on the la llorona and all that yeah i thought it was pretty cool that that's coming out because you know, like it seems said, pretty scary it looks pretty creepy yeah like i said we grew up with this tale so that's pretty cool to see it come to screen yeah so we're interested in seeing that and Hopefully you guys do too. If you guys didn't know that much about La Llorona, hopefully we got you guys some information and then uh, I'm sure the movie will be great too. Yeah, so we'll see about that. So before we get into the next uh, part of our folklore one, I gotta say this, Rooster's Patio Pilsner is actually really good. (laughs) It's a little bit more sour than I had thought as a Pilsner, but... I'm actually liking it a lot, so maybe I will start drinking Pilsners. <laughs> but anyways, that's a little bit besides the point. Our next one is uh, that we're going to talk about is Krampus. Get in the mood for the holidays <clears throat> since Christmas is coming up. <laughs> Scare the shit out of your kids. It's coming up fast, too. They're being little assholes. Yeah. So, Krampus. Um, this one I found kind of difficult to pinpoint. Because he's from, it says it or, originates in Europe, and then it goes up to Germany, so, and then actually over here, too, in America, so it's, like, kind of all over the place. But the actual origin says it's from Central Europe, and Krampus is actually derived from the na- from the German word Krumpen, which means claw, and... Krumpen. Krumpen. He's a... Described as a half goat, half demon. <laughs> and if you did not know, he's actually friends with Santa Claus. Oh, wow. So Santa Claus is cool with Krampus, so. Takes Rudolph for a spin every once in a I while. Yeah, I suppose so. If he's actually like. You ever sit on Krampus's lap? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. No. <laughs> Maybe my kids will, but. <laughs> um. So, uh, he um, actually whips kids with his chains and bells <laughs> instead of, you know, holly jolly Santa Claus with his jingle bells coming along. He actually whips them. And he has a bundle of birch sticks and he swats <laughs> the naughty children. <laughs> and he hauls your badass kids down to the underworld. <laughs> so, if you don't. It sounds expensive. Yeah. So if you don't behave, your ass is getting hit with some birch <laughs> sticks. But um, 
He was created as a counterpart to St. Nicholas, who rewards kids with sweets and, and uh, presents. And Krumpus, in contrast, would swat these wicked kids and he would take them to his lair. <laughs> so, uh, this is it's basically meant to scare the hell out of your kids into <laughs> behaving. So, um, there's actually a... Uh, the night before December 6th, it's known as Krumperschnot? Sounds German. Or, a German holiday or event or yeah, something at least. Yeah, so it's actually, it's Krumpus night. <clears throat> and um, it happens on Nicholas Dog? Or St. Nicholas Day. And the German children look outside their door to see if their shoe or boot they left out the night before contains presents or a rod for bad behavior could rod? you imagine yeah <laughs> so you're you put your boot outside and then there's oh there's a fucking rod there's another rod another year another rod <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they actually have a lot of celebrations for crumpus fest and i'm actually interested in if we can somewhere find something to kind of oh, yeah. go see something like that because it's kind of nice to See the other side or the taboo side of Holy shit. of everything. I don't even know if we could take our kids to that. They'd probably be scared shitless because people actually dress up in costume and everything, go the whole nine yards. Because there's gonna be rods in their boots. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this spreads all over the place, and it's really I think it's picked up a lot in the couple past years, but um, it's actually pretty interesting to have like these different versions of you know you're always told that it's either you're gonna get a gift or you're gonna get coal but in this case you're gonna get santa or you're gonna get hit with <laughs> <laughs> with branches <laughs> so yeah it's pretty interesting yeah and for the note our kids are actually well behaved but <laughs> we may bring up krampus once or twice a year <clears throat> Instead of Santa is watching, we'll say Krampus is watching. Krampus is watching. We'll see which one works better. We'll get back to you guys. <laughs> we'll test on our children and let yeah. you know if it's okay. But yeah, that one's pretty crazy. Have you seen pictures of him? Drawings and paintings and stuff? Krampus, I think so. He definitely looks scary. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't mess with him. Mm -mm. Sorry. There's actually a picture, a painting of him. Uh, like this good little kid going up to Santa and Santa's handing them like a doll and then right next to Santa Krumpus is, has his like his birch sticks ready to hit <laughs> the other kid because that one misbehaved <laughs> so yeah that's funny mm -hmm. but yeah I didn't know that they were actually in cahoots <laughs> but yeah they actually work together alrighty so gonna go ahead and get into another one coming out of north america and canada and this is known as the wendigo and the wendigo is actually a very popular uh folklore so this one has stories that have circulated over the years many many stories and the american indians have their own tale of the wendigo that dates back many years and it goes by different names, by the Wendigo, the Wittigo, and the Wittico. And we, we to go, we, we to go. <laughs> but each name uh, 
pretty much roughly translates to mean the evil spirit that devours mankind. That's kind of mean. <laughs> it's a mean name. <laughs> I, I hear, time I hear Wendigo, I just think of like, what are those, like those RVs? Isn't it like the Wendigo or the Wendigo or something like that? It's like oh, an RV. From RV, uh, an RV? Yeah, um, it's like named that, right? Yeah, I can't think of it right now. I think now. it's Wendigo. I can see it, but I can't think of what it actually is. <laughs> so that's how I'm like, oh. <laughs> But okay, so... Around 1816, a German explorer said the Wendigo translates to mean cannibal among the tribes. Winnebago. Winnebago, there you go. Okay, sorry. Anyways, cannibalism. (laughs) Now that we got that figured out. Same thing. (laughs) Is that all you were thinking about? (laughs) It was like two seconds. I just heard cannibalism and I thought Winnebago's. (laughs) I thought I could use a vacation right now. Let's go camping. Drown some children. Oh my god, don't. Krampus is going to join us. <laughs> Krampus might not be happy with me. Anyways. Can't take him to his underworld. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> so the Native American versions of the creature spoke... They spoke of this creature as being over 15 feet tall. And it said that this creature was actually once human. But it transforms into this creature by the use of magic. And the main description of a Wendigo, I was about to say Winnebago. <laughs> um, <laughs> I could describe a Wendigo. There's a kitchen. <laughs> so it pretty much has glowing eyes, long yellowed fangs, and an overly long tongue. And it's tall and lanky, and it's driven by a, a horrible hunger. And according to the lore... The Wendigo is created whenever a human actually resorts to cannibalism to survive. So, one of the most famous hunters of the Wendigo was a Cree Indian named Jack Fiddler. And he claimed to have killed at least 14 of the creatures during his lifetime. Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot of them out there? I was uh, thinking it was like a Bigfoot or a something. A lot of cannibals. I mean, there's people actually turning into the Wendigo, so... Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So, they... Probably all over the place. But um, his last kill actually resulted in imprisonment at the age of 87. In October 1907, Fiddler and his son, Joseph, were actually tried for the murder of a Cree Indian woman. And they both pleaded guilty to this crime, but they'd actually defended themselves saying that the woman had been possessed by the spirit of the Wendigo and was on the verge of transforming into one entirely, and she had to be killed before she ended up killing her whole tribe. So, yeah, (laughs) pretty crazy one. That is pretty crazy. It sounds like 87 is a little bit old to be (laughs) murdering people and and all of that. Um, There's also similar stories, like we said, in North America and Canada, but there were the... The Wechuge, and it's a similar being, and it appears in the legends of the Athabascan people of the Pacific Northwest. I know there's um, Athabascans in Alaska, and I'm sure Canada too. Mm -hmm. And it was the same thing. It was cannibalistic. An Ojibwe teacher and a scholar from Ontario named Basil Johnston, and he's he gives a description of the Wendigo. And what he says is, is, quote, the Wendigo was gone to the point 
of emaciation, its desiccated skin pulled tightly over its bones, with its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed deep into their sockets. The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody. Unclean and suffering from separations of the flesh, the Wendigo gave off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition, of death and corruption. Oh, wow. So just that itself right there should paint a picture for you of just how gruesome it, of a being it looked and, and all that. And that comes from a, a teacher and a scholar, so... It sounds like a tired, ass, hungry mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty creepy to come across in the forest. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so. Yeah, so a lot of these are pretty interesting and, you know, different in nature. But um, I guess we'll touch on our last one, and that's pretty popular one is a skinwalker and we're going back and forth about going on to a whole episode of skinwalkers in its own because there's a lot of uh, personal stories that we could go off of and and things like that so um the skinwalker is pretty much a witch that has the ability to turn into possess or disguise himself as an animal and, you know, they can go from being owls to wolves to snakes, pretty much anything in between. And um, in the Navajo language, it translates to, by means of it, it goes on all fours. And, um, you know, this is a very popular one among the Navajo. And um, it's not very well understood outside of Navajo culture, but it's mostly due to reluctance to discuss the subject with outsiders. So it it sounds like they pretty much try and keep it contained within themselves. But, you know, there's a lot of people who have gone searching in the deserts and stuff like that for them. Um, They represent the anti thesis of Navajo culture values and so while these community healers and culture workers are known as medicine men or women by the locals um, these other witches are seen as evil performing twisted ceremonies and manipulating the magic in a provision of good works um, that the medicine people actually perform and so some can't handle the responsibility of being a medicine man or woman so they eventually become corrupt and choose to become witches so um like i said these animals that are associated are you know the coyote uh they might even possess living animals or, or even people and they walk around in their bodies by locking eyes with them like one simple lock of the eyes and you're possessed by a witch sort of like a medusa type thing yeah so skinwalkers don't discriminate they can be male or female and um they're told the stories are told among the navajo children and they deal with life and death struggles 
so or even killing a a skinwalker. <laughs> so it's yeah. I gotta say, uh, I wouldn't say born and raised in Texas, but being from Texas and living in Texas on and off throughout my life, just the desert itself and all the times I've gone through New Mexico, Arizona to California for vacation or and back or whatnot. But there's something just a little bit different about when you get into that really Arizona desert or just like really out there in the desert. A little different. And I can actually I actually could have could talk about some personal experiences where maybe not so much skinwalkers, but just some strange occurrences or who knows if I was tired or if I actually felt like I saw UFOs, but just oh, yeah, touching on that, a lot of people, especially from desert areas or low population areas in the middle of nowhere, yeah, they they talk about alien experiences or, I mean, this, this skinwalker stuff is actually, if you've ever been through there late at night and and traveling and all that, it actually seems pretty plausible Yeah, to be actually going on and for these who knows if it's spiritual or magical or but just for these things to be going on for people to be shape-shifting and and turning into other beings so and i mean we'll get into that we'll, i'm sure we'll do quite a few um ufo and alien episodes and all that stuff and i can tell you some of my personal stories <laughs> yeah but not all skinwalkers seem to be bad oh, like no. there's not meant to make them look bad i remember i can't remember that movie you showed me um where they're in like believe alaska oh yeah. yeah it's uh it's a really good movie it's an older movie but she this man is basically trying to get this little girl well not little girl maybe around what 14 15 yeah probably a teenage, a teenage um... girl to town because she's very sick and he goes off for help because he, they lose power of their, their uh, aircraft, and he goes to try and get help, and he she ends up following him because she shape shifted into a white owl, and throughout the scenes where he's trying to walk and trying to get to where he needs to go, he sees this white owl, so it's pretty much depicted to be her. Yeah, sort of like a spirit animal, mm. or just like a, uh, an animal a guide, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, there's a lot of different versions of, you know, skinwalkers doing evil, but also skinwalkers doing good. So, not saying that that's true because it was a movie, but, you know. But there are tons of people that really have true stories, or they at least experience stuff similar to that. Yeah. That can attest to that, so. It's actually really interesting to maybe do your own research and try to get into that and see what you can find. Yeah, so... I guess that pretty much wraps it up for tonight. Um, like that, like we said before, there's so much folklore and there's different versions of different stories. And I think next time we'll more so touch on the ones that aren't too popular because the ones that aren't too popular are pretty creepy. Uh, yeah, some of them are crazy. <laughs> they're creepy. There's actually a lot of information on some, mm-hmm. and the really popular ones don't have very much sometimes. Yeah, that's there is one, I can't remember, but it was like some sort of witch that comes from like the Native American, and that one was crazy. <laughs> so, but we'll go ahead and get into more of that next time, 
But we wanted to basically touch here with the more popular folklore. So, yep. so yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. And next week, and we will be on time next we week. We promise <laughs> next week. I'm so sorry, guys. I did not. Yeah, things <laughs> just get busy anyways also. But we're going to take the time to do our research early, record early, and edit and all that. And then uh, we'll get it out to you guys hopefully on time this time. But next week's episode is going to be on the simulation theory, sort of like the glitch in the matrix. We're going to be getting into what is reality, what's not reality, and just really talk about how quickly um, technology is advancing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that one might be a little bit of a lengthy episode, but <laughs> we hope you guys enjoyed this one, and we'll be talking to you guys again next week. Yes, thanks for listening, guys, and... Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Bye. Bye.